chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at the life of Moses tonight. Good to see you, Reverend Zuniga, Sister Zuniga, I love you guys, great job with prayer last night. Thank you, Brother Roy, good to see you, son. Daughter Catherine, good to see you. Chris Farley, bless you guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, share this page, start a watch party, invite somebody you know to read the good word of God with you tonight. Exodus chapter 2. The title of our lesson tonight is You Ain't Ready Yet. You Ain't Ready Yet. Oh my, what a powerful lesson. As you know, throughout this uh, coronavirus time that we are sheltering in, we have committed these next 90-something uh, days to look at the life of Moses. I call this, this series excerpts from the life of Moses. Very powerful, very powerful. So we're going to begin tonight, uh, we started last week, but rather we pick up tonight, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw, he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian meeting one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking that everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down or beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. And when the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. And then he drew water for us, and he watered our flocks. Then where is he, their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with him. And in time, Ruel gave his Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Later she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I've been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years had passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under the, their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he 
he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Title of our, our lesson again tonight, You Ain't Ready Yet. You Ain't Ready Yet. Hi, Sister Bell. Good to see you. We love you. Only God, beloved, can shape and mold a person in life for what he has called them to be. The title, You Ain't Ready Yet, is a reference to Moses' life that this chapter invites you and I to see. Moses had inside of him a desire at a young age to see justice done for the Hebrew people even before he was ever given the assignment as a deliverer by God. However, he was not appointed to the position until God would humble him, shape him, and deliver him from himself. Our lesson tonight serves as a reminder that God is the one that calls and places us in position to do his will on earth and not us. Let me say some more. The providence of God is found in this lesson, and God will allow for some things to occur in life that we may grow and go into places that he will use to shape and mature us for divine purposes. There are three things tonight in this lesson I want to talk about. Number one, I want to talk about the premature deliverer. Number two, the premature delivery. And then number three, the predetermined destiny. They're all in here. Let's unpack it, all right? And I'll give it to you again as we go. Thank you, Sister Tom. I just figured that out. Love you, darling. The premature deliverer. Verse number 11. Text says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and healed the body or hid the body in the sand. Beloved, when we arrive at this text, you and I get to see Moses as he becomes a full-grown man. The text says he goes out to visit his people as a Hebrew who lives with Pharaoh. You see, God has Moses in a place where he has preserved him for a divine task. Except Moses doesn't know it yet. Sometimes, beloved, God places his children where they can be used by him in the future so they can grow in customs and manners that others around them cannot. Moses, growing up as a child, has a heart for his people. Remember, he's a Hebrew, but he's being raised in Pharaoh's house as an Egyptian. And even though he's with an Egyptian family, he yet loves and desires 
to see the Hebrews treated fairly. Here in this text, we discover that Moses wants to be a deliverer for his people before his time has even come. See, God had not called him to do this yet, and so his acts in his flesh are going to derail, yes, what God is trying to do in him and through him. It's not going to derail the plan of God, but God is going to use even his mistakes as a part of his divine providence to make Moses the man he wants him to be. I like this, but when Moses kills this man, what he does is he creates a disastrous work for his own life. And because he's in his flesh, the results of his actions are death. Kills this man. Here's the application, beloved. You and I, as children of God, ought to learn from Moses. We ought to wait on God before walking, talking, or speaking on God's behalf. Why, Pastor? Because the flesh is a dangerous thing. And it can cause you and I great trouble and great difficulty if we don't pay attention to it. Sometimes our words can kill. Our actions, our attitudes can kill. Especially in an environment like today where we're tense, we're angry, we're frustrated, we feel cornered in. We can say some things and do some things that cause pain to people. The child of God and beloved must learn to manage their emotions. Why? So that your anger, your rage, and your temper doesn't cause you to do harm to others. Moses in this text becomes a picture of the one who is not ready to lead, but he desires to do it by any means necessary. So let's look some more at this text. We've looked at the premature deliverer and how he acts, right? Let's look now at the premature delivery. I think we'll discover some things there. Feel free to comment in your section there. Uh, say amen. Uh, say repeat that or say it again. If you're not clear what I'm saying, I want to talk with you tonight. All right. Hi, Linda. Good to see you, daughter. Glad you're here. We've looked at the premature deliverer. Let's look now at the premature delivery. But the Bible says in verse 13, Exodus 2, the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, he said. Moses said to the one who started the fight, verse 14, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking that Everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Good to see you, Deacon Lord. Miss you, brother. Notice this. Moses thought in this text, by saving others in the flesh, he can make a difference for the Hebrew children in slavery. He, he thought that his acts of service and protection were not what God had called him to do in the manner in which he did them, rather. His acts of service, rather, were not 
tried to work alone and work in secret to right the wrongs and the evil injustices of an Egyptian system. But his efforts caused him trouble in the end. Beloved, here's the application. When you and I work without God, the results will always be disastrous. Everything Moses tried to do for God backfired against him because he acted prematurely. Here it is. God would not honor his actions, but God would use his actions. Sister Wilson, the providence of God in this verse drives Moses to run for his life and flee because of his actions. However, God is going to use this trouble to define Moses and what he is calling Moses to do. So let's look some more. We've looked at the premature deliverer. We've looked at the premature delivery. Let's look now at the predetermined destiny. Point number three. Verse 15b. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from those shepherds, and then he drew water for them for their flocks. Hi, daughter Lisa. Good to see you. Notice, here we discover that Moses' trouble has driven him to more trouble. What do you mean, Pastor? He runs for his life from Egypt, but he also finds trouble in Median. He has a personality trait that's been given to him so that the brother operates as a protector and a provider everywhere he goes. God has placed this in him. And as a man, he's just a stand-up kind of guy. And this thing inside of Moses won't allow him to do anything else. Good to see you, Reverend Aaron. Love you, brother. Moses, God is going to use this inside of Moses to make him the deliverer he wants him to be, right? Now here, when he runs from Egypt and he runs to Midian, he sees a woman in trouble, a woman in trouble. And he jumps in the argument that they're having with some other shepherds that are in the field. And what's, guess what? His argument again is about injustice. Moses' destiny is showing itself again. What do you mean? In his destiny to be one who delivers people from injustice, right? He defends the innocent. Why? Because it's a gender inequality here, a societal inequality, and a social injustice. And Moses cannot help himself but to just jump in and make a difference where he is. I like this about him. The last time, though, we saw him get involved in an unjust act, he intruded and he killed a man. But this time, he's not going to kill anybody. Moses not only learns how to control his anger, but here we see him serve the women 
I like this. I like this, beloved. Let me tell you why. Here we see a good example. I'm talking to the brothers now, ladies, of what a man ought to do. A man ought to defend women, not harm women. A man ought to serve them, right? Not not hurt them. He ought to serve and protect them from those that would harm them. He himself ought not to be one who harms, but rather who protects and who serves. Good to see you, Brother Ed. Let me say some more. Look at verse 18 in Exodus 2. The Bible says, when the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, why are you guys back so soon? They said to him in verse 19, an Egyptian, that's Moses, they, he rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and then he drew water for us, and he watered our flocks. Then, where is he? The dad asked. Why did you leave him there? Go and invite him to come and eat with us. I like this right here. 21. Moses accepted the invitation from Ruel, the shepherd in Midian, and he settled there with him. Look at that. He did what? He settled in Midian with him. I'm going to come back and pick that up. In time, Ruel, the shepherd of Midian, gave, or the prince of Midian, the priest of Midian, gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. And later she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Verse 23, years had passed, and the king of Egypt died one that was looking for Moses to kill him. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. Verse 24, God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Let me unpack these verses and we'll be through. Beloved, when we come here to this final portion and pericope in the text, here we discover that Moses had been running for his life, but God had chosen to lead him to Midian. That's powerful. See, in his life, in his exile from Egypt, God, yes, decides and elects to give him a new beginning. It's not in the palace as a prince, but rather it's in the desert as a shepherd. Did you catch that, beloved? He's not only going to live off the pleasures of Egypt no longer, but he's going to live off of the land in Midian with other shepherds. God's plan for Moses was him to learn from the priest of Midian. Learn what? Learn how to be a shepherd. Learn, yes. Learn how to protect God's people. I love this. He chose to train a leader how to be a shepherd instead of a pharaoh. Oh, that's good. See, in the Old Testament, the function of a priest was that of a mediator between God and mankind. And as God's covenant people, Israel, they were to be 
and a holy nation among the peoples of the earth. So, in the representation or the representative office of a priest, the ideal state for Moses was to be able to learn holiness, to, to learn the role of mediation, to focus on shepherding and service for God's people. So God deliberately takes him from Egypt, trains him now, watch this, in the desert, in the wilderness, in the barren land, alone and in isolation, changing his character, changing his formation, and changing his personality to be the man that God wants him to be. I know you said, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? I want you to hear me and hear me good tonight. I'm feeling some kind of way right here. Why? God wants to use this time in your isolation to take the stuff that you've been picking up in Egypt and shake you of it, have you learned from his high priest in this place of isolation and shepherding where God wants you to know, how God wants you to live, how God wants you to love, how he wants you to care for others so that you can be the man, the woman of God that God longs for you to be. And then when the time is right, when you got the lesson ready, he's got a burning bush for you. <laughs> and when you get to the burning bush, like Moses is going to get, then you're going to get the assignment, which is the invitation to experience God. And what does that mean? When God shows up in that burning bush appointment with you, he's going to give you an invitation to join him in what he wants to do in your Egypt. In your task is going to be to obey him and to do whatever he asks of you. I love this right here. Moses thought he had messed up his life. He did some bad stuff. But it was not going to stop the providential plan of God for Moses' life. What do you mean, Pastor? This is all I'm trying to say. All the mess-ups you may have had down through the years, that's not going to stop the plan that God has for you, daughter. It's not going to stop the plan that God has for you, son. Yeah, you might have hooked up with the wrong person. You might have gotten involved. Your life may have gotten derailed. You may have made a mistake for 10 or 15 years. But I stopped by to tell you today, God still got a plan. Your mess-ups, your mistakes, your bad attitude is not going to derail God from God's doing what he's already providentially planned to do in your life. The providence of God supersedes any area in my life. He's God. And his plan and his providence is greater than anything else I can have planned for my own life. Moses thought he could make a difference by killing one Egyptian. Maybe he could thought start a revolution and raise up some other uh, Hebrews to do that. That wasn't God's plan. No, God had another way. He was going to deliver his people from Egypt. I like this. God is going to send Moses back to Egypt to fulfill his destiny as a deliverer. Let me park the car right there for just a moment that I get out of your way. Sister Bell, daughter, here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. God had placed in Moses characteristics of a deliverer early. What do you mean? He had a distaste for injustice. He had a distaste for seeing people abused, poor people manipulated, 
who are people um, uh, being impacted and affected by those who were wicked and in power. And God was going to use his character at a young age and season it and train him in the desert with the same character. Change his passions and then make him the man God wants him to be. And, uh, I'm talking to the parents now. Start now early with your babies at home. Start shaping their character. You place in them, you give them the hearts and minds to care for those who are the least of these. You teach them, you give them the passions that they're supposed to rightfully have as a believer so that when they grow in the things of God, grow in the house of God, grow in the providential plan of God, they will be shaped and fashioned and formed to be great women and men of God in the earth for God's honor and his glory. Can I get an amen? Well, Moses is in the desert now. He is spending time with rule. And the man that has sought to kill him, Pharaoh, according to the text, has died. That Pharaoh that was looking for him, that had him on Egypt's most wanted list, is gone. And while that Pharaoh died, Moses is doing his life now. He has a queen. He has a family. The Bible says that the Israelites continue to groan under the burden of Egyptian slavery. They cried out, and the Bible says their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and decided that it was time. Oh, I can hear my pastor saying when the time is right. <laughs> God decided to step in and do what Moses could have never did in his own flesh and in his strength. When the time was right, God decided to prepare him and to send him back to do what all he had in his heart to do the first time he tried to do it, but he wasn't equipped. He wasn't prepared. And he didn't have Yahweh on his side to do the serving in him and through him. Oh, beloved, I stopped by to tell you on my way to glory, when the time is right, God's going to step in and send you Reverend Mason where he needs you to be. When the time is right, God is going to do it. He's going to send you to the place and make you the deliverer for those who are lost and separated from him by sin. Let me close this Bible lesson tonight by saying this. Before God will use Moses as a deliverer, he must first be trained by the priests. Before God will use Moses as a deliverer, he must first be trained as a shepherd for weary sheep. Before God will use Moses as a deliverer, he has to first, yeah, be ostracized and be marginalized and trained in isolation before God can do anything with him. I've learned these last 10 days to thank God for trouble in America. I've learned to thank God for my isolation. I've learned to thank God for my, my uh, being placed aside and being sheltered in. Why? It's my training ground. God is spending time with me. He's got my undivided attention. And when Moses was ready, he came forward as a responsible man. When Moses was ready, he had shepherding skills. When Moses was ready, he now knew how to care for a flock. He needed to learn how to live in the desert and most of all, how to be content in the midst of it all. God couldn't send him back to Egypt with Egyptian pleasures on his mind. He had to get that out of his system, out of his mind, and 
out of his flesh. I'm glad right now. See, when God can get you to be content, then he can send you to places where you won't be distracted. Ah, can I get an amen right there, beloved? Beloved, whenever God is getting ready to send to those, you who's in bondage, right? God's preparing you so you have a word for him. God's preparing you in the isolation so that when you'll be able to share the good news with them, you won't be distracted by their flesh and by the desires of their heart. You'll be focused on the audience of one, just pleasing the audience of one. Here it is. If you don't remember nothing else, solitude and silence is where God does his best work in the life of the believer. Good to see you, Reverend Ruffin. Solitude and silence, Reverend Eric, is what God can do with you when no other university, no other books or special studies can do with you. Solitude and silence is where God consecrates his servants for the work of the ministry. I got to leave you now, but Jesus was consecrated in the wilderness. Jesus was commissioned in the wilderness. Jesus was called in the wilderness. Don't y'all remember out there when God allowed John Baptist to baptize him and he came up out of the water. And the Spirit said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Lord drove him into the wilderness for 40 days when he was tempted by the devil. I'm so glad that Jesus had a wilderness experience. John had a wilderness experience. Moses had a wilderness experience. Reverend Ruffin, Reverend Mason, Sister Bell, Sister Tom, all of us have got to have a wilderness experience. Why? It's in the wilderness experience. It's in isolation. It's in solitude that God calls, consecrates, commissions his service to go forth with power to live for him. And then what do we do? We live to die for him. Can I get a witness? And Jesus, after his calling, his commission, and his consecration, did for three years serve others. And at the end of the three, he graduated with Calvary. Calvary was the consummation of a great ministry. <laughs> Calvary was the consummation of being living as a servant, dying as a servant, and giving God glory as a servant. And out on that old rugged cross, Brother Roy, he died. He graduated bowed his head and dropped it in the locks of his shoulders, was victorious over death, hell, and the grave so that you and I could conquer death, hell, and the grave and be reconciled back to the Father. And early Sunday morning, God the Father raised him back to life. And now he sits at the right hand of God. What a joy. The right hand of God. All because he was willing to be a servant who learned, was trained, submitted himself to the will of the Father. Well, next week, come back and join us again as we again look at the excerpts in the book of Exodus, looking at the man called Moses. Going to be a tremendous and glorious time, beloved. I pray that this message blesses you tonight that you will share it with somebody you know. Here's what I want you to know tonight. These few things. We're praying for you. You can join our prayer line every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Pastor Zuniga leads that great ministry online. You can go to our church website, get the information there. 
will be glad to connect you to the prayer warriors so that you can be blessed. You bring your petition to God. I don't know if you know, but we have a 24-7 prayer chain going right now. There's over 40 different people in the church signed up to pray for you around the clock. Pray for our country. My prayer is that during this time of solitude and isolation, God will minister to you. Thank you.